just want to uh, welcome you to Mercy Road Church on this Easter, from my family to yours. If, if I have not met you, if you're watching online or you're, you're visiting, my name is Sir, the lead pastor here, and I, I feel it's a privilege to be here. It's our third service of the morning, and that says something about uh, this church and about how good God is. Um, I, I have a touch of the ADD. I'm, I'm not really great at focusing sometimes, but it's very easy to focus for me this morning. Because, wow, we just heard two atheists talk about how now they're followers of Christ because of how good God is and how God worked through COVID-19 and life circumstances. That was amazing. Thank you, you two. And the, the music and the proclamation. Do you guys remember last Easter? I do. Yeah. I was really cold. There was a blizzard. I was preaching on a tin roof out there, and, and you were parked in cars listening on an FM radio in your vehicle or listening at home. Uh, that was brutal, and now it's 70 degrees and sunny. And Minnesotans, were used to that, you know, the whole switching uh, of seasons and, whoa, what, what temp is it today? But I just want to take a minute and, and reflect back on what has happened since last Easter because that was an unusual Easter, but this is too. We're meeting today indoors and we have the three services and we're distancing and all that but it's been a trip hasn't it it's it's been wild and i want to suggest at the top that fear and anger are natural responses to 2020 and the emerging months here of 2021 but we're not here to focus on the natural response to this crazy year and some months that we've had we're here to celebrate, to focus on the supernatural, the other-than-natural event we call the resurrection. But let's just validate that fear and anger. Has fear been a problem for you in 2020 and 2021? It, it has been for me, just the anxiety that can crop up so easily. And, it, and it's natural, it's normal in the sense that we could not have known when we were gathered out in the parking lot at the beginning of covid how long this would last. I mean, some of you were like, it's probably a few weeks, and then we'll move on. And then the more realistic among us was saying, maybe a month or two. And then those crazy conspiracy theorists were saying, it's going to last all the way to the fall. And here we are, you know, is it, we're, still, we're still moving through it. We had no way of knowing that our city, Minneapolis, Minnesota, would be the epicenter of a larger conversation about race and justice that would come to a boiling point, it would boil over and it would cause protests, but not just protests, riots, the burning of cities, not just our city, but every capital, primarily in our United States and cities outside our country, all from Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's just hard to process all that. We had no way of knowing that our capital would experience a riot and we would experience a political season like none of us remember. I heard someone describe it this way. Politics is like a snowplow now. You know, snowplows have a V shape on them and they just go right down the street and the snow goes to the left or the right, but if you try to stand in the middle, you just get run over, right? And so we're weary from that. And when all this happens together, staying at home and being isolated and fighting over, you know, this is the right response to COVID. No, this is, and having that, 
racial conversation and trying to figure out how not to offend each other and all of that, it leaves us afraid and angry. And so if you're feeling that, you're not crazy. And maybe some of you just needed to hear that, right? But we're here not to talk about natural effects. We're here to celebrate a supernatural event. Just think with a fresh mind for a minute. There was a guy named Jesus. And he lived such a beautiful, virtuous, perfect life that even his family members bought into the claim that he was God. He lived the perfect life. He said he was God. And he was a member of a religion where the biggest sin you could commit would be to say that you're God. And then he was killed for it. And then he was really dead for three days, like buried, funeral over, dead, dead. And then he didn't stay dead. And then he walked around for 40 days and appeared to over 500 people. And it created such an insane ripple across linear time that when you woke up this morning in your COVID haze, wondering what date it was, you had to reference the supernatural event of the resurrection to figure out that it is April 4th, 2021 AD. You didn't reference the Prophet Muhammad's founding of Islam. You didn't reference conservative politics or progressive politics to figure out what date it was. You did not reference the Buddha. You did not reference Scientology. You referenced the death of an itinerant, homeless Jewish rabbi who never commanded a military, who never had any financial means, who never held a public office of any authority, but who just lived the perfect life saying he was God, died in an obscure time in history, in an obscure place. It should have just been the end of it, but now we tell the time and mark the calendar from this man's death. This is a supernatural event that we're here to celebrate. So how do we move forward? I think that's the question. You know, I see a Christian counselor. I recommend everybody does that. Just like you go, you know, get your oil changed. I try to do that proactively. And my, my therapist said, Mike, you know, ministry is difficult in this. And I think you should start reading more fiction. Yeah, all right. You know, like that's a healthy escape. And so I've tried and I haven't finished many of them lately. Because reality is crazier than fiction, right? You couldn't write this stuff. Fiction is boring to me now. It's like, oh, I kind of see where he's going, but there's no huge pandemic in here. Like, cities aren't burning. Like, that's how crazy the times are that we're living. And so the natural question that pastors ask each other, Chad and I were talking, how do we help people move forward? Suicide's up. Mental illness is up. Substance abuse is up. Divorce is up. It's a discouraging time. How do you move forward and not just be owned by anger and fear? And that's a tricky thing for a pastor because you have to preach to every age and stage and pain point. We're three, 400 people here at Mercy Road, so there's a lot of people coming from different angles. Here's kind of what we came up with. Courage and grace. If we're to move forward, we need courage and grace. Those are the two virtues of the day. The Roman Empire that Jesus was born into valued one of those things, courage. And they despised the other, grace. There was no concept of mercy. Or if there was, it was, it was scorned. It was like, that's a weakness. Why would you ever show anybody mercy? Are you kidding me? And that Roman Empire became Christian 
within a few hundred years of this supernatural event, partially because they looked at Christians who were tortured to death in the arenas, and they saw the perfect courage of these Christians praying for the people who put them in that arena to be teared apart by wild animals, singing hymns of praise to a risen Messiah, and they said, we're, we're Rome, we don't have courage like that. And they saw the mercy during an epidemic, actually, a plague in early Roman Empire. The Christians were the ones that came and started to care for people. Have you been to a hospital lately? Followers of the risen Messiah came up with that concept. It did not exist before courageous, merciful followers of Jesus Christ insisted that we need to care for people who are dying, even if it kills us. We need that, just like they needed it back then. And think about that for a minute. I mean, courage is a tough thing to manufacture. I, I was in Iraq um, in 2009, and I remember I'd been in country a while. I flew in uh, Black Hawk helicopters as a chaplain to go do services places, and they don't have doors. That's kind of a bummer for me because I, I don't like heights. So they strap you in tight, but you're just looking over, and it's a little intimidating. I'm a non-combatant, don't carry a weapon, just an army captain with a little cross here, and I, I just do the services, right? They, they do the fighting, and there's this guy who looks really tough with a big 50 cal, shoots bullets the size of water glasses, and he's scanning, and there's another guy, and he's got the big chew in, and we're talking on, on the loudspeakers. They're asking me, like, theological questions. We're having a good time. All of a sudden, I break the silence by going, ah! Because <laughs> we're taking fire. And, and we're, we started in, like, this dive pattern, and I'm just seeing explosions and stuff, and then I hear laughter. And they go, Chaplain, those are just the flares. <laughs> Apparently, you deploy anti-aircraft flares when you're going into a real dangerous area. In case someone shoots a rocket launcher at your Black Hawk helicopter, it'll hit the flares and make sure it doesn't hit you when you're doing a combat landing. And I felt embarrassed, because it was like a little girl scream. It wasn't like a like Saving Private Ryan scream. It was like, ah! But then I felt instantly comforted, because there was a little radio silence, and the pilot said, come on, chaplain. You didn't think we would use the flares? Like, as if I'm supposed to just know that you can use flares and not use flares. He's like, we're carrying the chaplain. We're not going to let anything happen to you. And the guy with the chew looks at me like, yeah. And I thought... Wow, and here's the thing, every flight thereafter, and there were many, I was not afraid. Or when fear came up, I just thought, man, these guys really like protecting me. Courage is not something you can just muster up. Fear is real. You need something, an event, a reality in your life where you can train your brain to say, yes, but. Yes, we might go down, but. Yes, we might get shot at, but that guy, and that guy, and that guy, and those flares, we need the flares right now. And we need forgiveness. Have you noticed in the Roman Empire, when you read history, they had a habit, it was a nasty habit of canceling people they didn't like. They just killed them. You know, if there was a slave rebellion, they would just crucify like 300 slaves, put it on 35W, and you just drive by, and you're like, ooh, Canceled. I'm so glad we have evolved beyond that. We don't cancel anybody. 
or do we? You say the wrong thing on Twitter about the wrong subject, you can't work again in this culture. You're the worst. Secular societies lack a mechanism that all relationships need to be healthy, that human reality must have in a sin-broken world. It's called forgiveness. They don't have a concept for it. And a society that doesn't have forgiveness descends into chaos and violence. Friends, followers of Jesus Christ were the ones who introduced the mechanism that we know of as forgiveness because there was a guy and he claimed to be God and he lived a perfect life and he was killed for it and then he didn't stay dead and he walked around and talked to enough people not being dead that couldn't shut up about it. And the people who heard and saw and witnessed these things went from terrified, huddled people to fearless men and women. And we need that again. To move forward, we need a lot of courage and we need a lot of grace. Where do we get that? Well, we'll get there. But first, let's, let's uh, turn to a very interesting part of Scripture. You expect the, the preacher to talk about the empty tomb and read that story from the Gospel accounts. It's a weird Easter, so we're going to a weird text today, okay? 1 Corinthians 16, 12 through 14. Let's get that on the screen. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Let's, let's meditate on this for a moment. This is Apostle Paul. He's our first missionary. He wrote 70% of the New Testament, much of which are letters that he wrote to churches that he was planting. And he had a friend named Apollos. And as Christians, we read scripture in light of other scriptures to understand what's going on here. And if you were to read the whole book of Acts and look at Paul's other letters, you would deduce from that Paul had another pastor friend named Apollos, and they didn't always get along. And we know from the work of historians, Paul was a short, bald guy, not terribly good-looking. He had worker blue-collar hands because he would make tent, tents. He was a leather worker, even though he was a like Ivy League-trained scholar, basically, in Judaism. He didn't want anybody who's a skeptic about the good news of Jesus Christ to think he was on the take financially. So he... he he would just pay his own way and, and work double time to do that. And he admits in his letters he wasn't a good preacher, not super articulate, not great to listen to, maybe monotone, I don't know. Maybe he said um or like too many times. Apollos was really good looking. He was the type of guy that when he smiled big, you had to squint because his teeth were so neon white, they just hurt your eyes. Think of Joel Osteen, right? But <laughs> Apollos, Apollos was... Orthodox in that he preached the truth about Jesus. He had the right theo theological background. He wasn't a false teacher, but he was kind of like the first megachurch pastor. Now, Paul had planted a church in Corinth. Corinth is like modern-day Las Vegas. Just what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Lots of sex, lots of drugs, lots of rock, rock and roll. And he's like, yeah, that would be a great place to make followers of Jesus and progress into holiness and tell people that they're eternal beings. And so that's what Paul did. So you can imagine the letter that he writes on an ongoing basis to Corinth, there's, just some, there's a lot in there. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the first letter he wrote to Corinthians, Paul riffs on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He answers a bunch of their questions. He talks about what our bodies will be like in heaven. They'll be spiritual bodies. He makes metaphors like death is not something to be afraid of. 
men and women, when you go into the ground, it's almost like God's planting a seed and it's going to spring forth into something beautiful that you can't even imagine. And he just talks about all these different angles of resurrection. Chapter 15. Then, like you do when you email someone, you get a little sloppy towards the end. You know, you've got a thesis, and you're like, about this, 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 this. Then at the end, you're like, also pick up milk and tell Jack this, and we're good here, right? And he's just taking care of business in the 16th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and he's addressing people by name and answering their, their questions. And one question was, will you have that awesome speaker, Apollos, come and preach at our Vegas church? And Paul's like, about that. I strongly urged him, in the Greek it says, I begged repeatedly to go with you brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. We have good reason to believe that Apollos just kind of ghosted Paul. Just like, nah, I don't know if that gig's good for me. I'm good. And, and that's frustrating if you've ever been ghosted by someone and you really want them to do something and you can see how that would help the Christian community. And they're like, eh, I just don't want it. Paul had a choice in this part of the letter. He could have been like, now about Apollos, I've derived the top 10 reasons he's terrible. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying, it's just a prayer request. Pray for him because he is really struggling with none of that. What did Paul do? He showed him grace. He understood that the mission is all that matters. Part of that mission is loving people like Jesus loves us. It's forgiving. That takes courage, doesn't it? It also takes a robust understanding of sin. In a secular culture, sin is misunderstood. If you're an atheist or an agnostic or you didn't grow up in the church, sin probably just sounds like, I don't know, some judgy term. And, and you're tempted to say, like, I'm not a sinner. How dare you? Sin is an archery term. The best definition of sin is missing the mark. That's what it literally means in Greek. It's to miss the mark, amartia. And you need courage and you need grace to deal with missing the mark. An illustration, perhaps. Let's say we all go outside and, and I say, hey, I forgot to tell you guys, I love longbow archery. I'm really into that Robin Hood stuff. Can I have a volunteer? And someone says, oh, sure, what, what are we doing? And I put an apple on your head and then you're, then, then you're like, I wish you would have told me that before... What are you, are you going to really shoot that off my head? And be like, yes. And I go back 30 paces, and then I shoot it, and I shoot it right off your head. And you're like, wow. He's a decent preacher, but he's really good at shooting. Archery. And then I said, let's do best out of three, though. This time I'm going to blindfold myself. And you're just standing there quivering. Now, here's the thing. Blindfolded, that's going to be harder. And I could miss by like 10 yards. Or I could miss by two and a half inches south, let's say. Which one feels more personal to you? The two and a half inches south is a little more personal because, you know, it would hit you in the forehead. That's kind of how sin works. We all miss big and we all miss small. And sometimes when we miss small, we're tempted to say, I'm a good person. I barely missed. But sometimes it's the small misses, my friend, that do the most damage. Have you missed the mark in 2020 or 2021 in relationships with anybody? Kind of justified, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. I know I should, but I'm not going to. 
I'm just going to send this angry text, late night angry text. Have you missed the mark, let's say, with your relationship uh, with other people and their COVID-19 response policy? I can't believe they won't wear a mask. You're putting our lives in danger. They're irresponsible. They should be punished. I don't think I can be friends with them. Do you know who they voted for? (laughs) Or I can't believe they are so conservative in their response to COVID that they're literally not willing to see me face to face. I can feel in real time our relationship eroding away. They must personally feel nothing but scorn for me because they're putting their physical safety that much higher than their relationship with me. And sometimes these people marry each other. And that's interesting. Friends, it's been a confusing time. Right? And anger and anxiety is the natural response to times like that. But here's the deal. We all sinned in big ways and in small ways. Sometimes the smallest misses are the most personal. I wonder what it would look like if you had the courage to forgive them. Remember when you got in that fight over their inappropriate response to the racial tension in America, to the political solution that you know is right, and they're insane for, well, well how can I forgive somebody if they don't admit to missing the mark themselves. They've sinned against me. It's hurt me. It's frustrated me. They're wrong. Jesus was tortured to death for the sins of the world, for every missed apple. And while he was nailed naked to a beam of wood, and in the process of slowly, painfully dying for you and for me and everybody else that offends you, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So maybe it is possible to forgive the missing of the mark, even if they don't admit that they missed the mark? What would it look like if the Holy Spirit prompted you or me to go make it right, to have the courage to say, you know what? I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? There was an oncologist, cancer doctor, who wrote a book a number of years ago, Four Things That Matter Most. He said, if everybody before they die could tell their loved ones four things, we'd all be better. I love you. Thank you. Forgive me. I forgive you. You know, I can preach about this stuff, and I've been doing it all morning, but what really changes our perspective, at least changes mine, it's typically not words from a preacher as much as it is something you literally experience. Sometimes, you know, when God works powerfully, it can be an experience in the sermon, but I want us to watch a short video I write these messages with my friend, Pastor Tom and and Pastor Chad. And um, when Tom sent me this clip to put in this one, I said, I can't do this. This one's going to wreck me. It's it's one that maybe some of you have seen. It's a few years ago. And it's really a courtroom video. There was a guy, and he basically was in his apartment eating ice cream. He's an accountant for PwC in Dallas, Texas. He's doing nothing wrong. And there was a young female police officer who had just come off an overtime shift and was very tired. She came home to her apartment building, which was the same apartment building, but she got off on the wrong floor. And she walked into what she thought was her 
apartment unit, and she saw an African-American man on the couch, and she pulled her sidearm, and she shot him to death. And she was sentenced to 12 years in prison for that. It's a complex case. Hits right at our current pain point of racial tension in America. That man who was shot to death had a younger brother who was 17 at the time. At trial, I think he was 18 or 19. And at trial, he was given the stand to share how it impacted him. Take a look. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just... I hope you go to God with all what all the guilt all the thing the bad things you may have done in the past each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do if you truly are sorry I know I can speak for myself I I forgive you and I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes.
Only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ can we find supernatural grace and courage. Only through the resurrection of Jesus Christ can we find supernatural, not of this world, forgiveness and courage. Imagine the courage it took for him to say what he said. Do you think for a second he wasn't attacked by a group of people online? Because he was. How dare you forgive that? How dare you say she doesn't deserve to go to prison? I don't care if she was tired. She came in, she opened up the wrong apartment. Because of the color of his skin, he got shot. That's racism to the worst degree. That's unforgivable. How dare you? That takes courage. But do you think for a second that that video hasn't transformed hundreds of thousands of people's lives because you can't watch it and not deep, deep, deep down say, I don't know how to do that. I don't know why he did that, but there's something strangely attractive and beautiful and I kind of want my children who I want the best for to have that. Because exacting revenge and meeting out judgment and being angry all the time and being right all the time, gosh, that's not a good look and it's getting old. But if there was a way that I could tap into whatever he has, I guess I'd be open to that. Friends, you know, there's different ways to lead people to Christ. Some people need to really do the old-fashioned apologetics. That's a word for convincing people of the historical reliability that this event did happen. I've tried to do a little bit of that in this sermon here. But there is a stronger apologetic than facts and figures and, hey, how did you check the calendar this morning? And it's that. When the Roman Empire saw that, they just could they were wrecked. How do you not believe in the resurrection? There's no explanation. If you go into a hole in the ground and that's it and it's all done and the sun burns out and this is just a blip on earth and it's all random and cruel, you don't do what he did. You'd be a fool for doing it. Paul writes about this in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. He said, if the resurrection isn't real, we are most of all to be pitied among men. And then he looks the offenses of his friend and brother, Apollos, and he said, it's okay. I'm going to forgive because I decided a long time ago that I can do nothing but show people grace because of many thousands of times I have missed that apple and the one who paid the price and paid the price he did as moving as that video is what he didn't ask was after the hug judge also could I serve the term of the prison sentence for her so she can go free but that is what Jesus has done for you and for me he's died in our place we are people who have missed the mark. And this, to the degree we let it melt our hearts, will give us profound courage. Not the false bravado courage where you just pretend that you're not afraid of the rocket attack or whatever on your your helicopter. The real kind of courage that says, even if this happens, even if the worst of the worst happens, it's okay because I will rise with Christ. It's okay because my Father loves me. And he has a plan for my life, and he'll even use the messy hard parts 
in that text we read about Apollos when he says, be courageous. The Greek actually says anthropos, which means be the man. It's man up. It's a, it's a phrase that was popular in the ancient world, and we've heard that too. Woman up, man up. He's saying, be so full of grace and love for other people, and then be courageous. Stand firm, do everything in love, and doing everything in love takes courage because you'll get shot at for it. The world doesn't like it because it's broken. I'd like to lead us, finish uh, with, with just one scripture and, and a few points of application. First Thessalonians 5, 9 through 10 is such a beautiful picture of the gospel. If you've not heard of the good news about Jesus Christ, or if you just need a reminder, this is what it says. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He has not destined you for wrath and punishment, even though, yes, you do deserve it. I know that hurts our modern sensibility. It's the reality of the situation. He has destined you. He has hoped and begged and prayed and reached out to you so that you might obtain salvation, so that you might accept the forgiving love of Jesus Christ every day. Because he died for us, so that whether awake or asleep, we might live with him. This was a a euphemism for death, when people fell asleep. Some of you might die of COVID tomorrow. Some of you might die in a very comfortable hospital situation surrounded by loved ones in 80 years from now. Some of you might experience a lot more pain than others. And that's all very mysterious. But the Apostle Paul is saying it doesn't matter to the extent you understand the gospel. Whether you're awake or asleep, dead or alive, born into a crazy culture you can't understand or in a moderately quiet part of human history, he's with you. That should take the fear out. That'll help your anxiety. That'll give you courage. That'll make you forgive. So practically, what do we do here? It's Easter. We heard a message. We heard a testimony. Just think on this. We're going to spend eternity together. So let's be brave and full of grace in the here and now. Isn't that logical? You're going to be with your spouse forever. You're going to be with your friend that disagrees with you on politics but doesn't disagree with you on the resurrection of Jesus Christ forever. Why in the world wouldn't you reconcile? Why in the world wouldn't you say, I'm sorry for all the ways I've missed the apple and even the ways I've missed the apple that I don't know about. Would you forgive me? Can we, can we move forward together? This poor guy came after the last service and he goes, thanks a lot, Pastor. I go, whoa. I'm driving to my daughter's house to ask for her forgiveness. <laughs> okay. That's what we're supposed to do. It takes courage. But you can do it. It doesn't take as much courage as that guy has, but, but here's the beautiful part. You have as much courage as he has if you've accepted Christ. You just don't know it. Friends, I'd, I'd love to pray for us. I realize this is kind of a hard-hitting message, especially that video clip, and then I'd ask you to stand for a benediction, but first just let me pray. Gracious God, thank you that you have risen. Thank you that we have a supernatural source for never-ending otherworldly courage and forgiveness. Help us to be known as the people on planet Earth who forgive most fiercely, who face our fears 
not because we're naturally brave, but because where or where is your sting? Death. Because eternity is assured. Because you're with us in every moment. For anyone listening who, who is an agnostic or an atheist and has politely come to church, the family, friend, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to them. I pray they wouldn't feel manipulated or coerced or pushed, but they would feel invited to look closely, to have a conversation with a follower of Christ. What's the worst that can happen? They become more like that young man on the video? For those of us who've been following Jesus for many years, but we're discouraged, we've backslidden, we've become numb in the pandemic, we've, we've missed a lot of arrows, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us, encourage us today, Lord. Remind us that you love us, you're with us. Pray this in Jesus' name.